Well, we're going to continue with the theme that we're running on at the moment. The theme for the year is build. 2020 is all about building. And uh, we've been looking as a result of that at the book of Nehemiah, which is a book all about building. And Nehemiah is an account, I, I, you know, there's a lot that we've said about building and you can hear all that on the podcast. You can go back and you can get that on Spotify if you want to listen. But Nehemiah is a book about building and it's about the rebuilding of a city called Jerusalem. We've all heard of Jerusalem. Well, just to put you into a little bit of context, many years before Jerusalem had been destroyed by the empire of Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, they had conquered the nation of Israel and they'd gone into Jerusalem and they had completely destroyed the city. They destroyed their temple, their place of worship. So they kind of like their relationship with God was broken, if you like. Um, they destroyed the walls and the gates and the walls and the gates, that brought order to their life, it brought protection to their life. It was essential to have walls and gates around the city. And they basically just decimated the city and from there they took uh, the, the people of Jerusalem, they took them captive into their own nation, basically made them slaves. And for 70 years, those people were in exile. And then as what would happen in those days, another nation rose up. Uh, for 70 years, they were in captivity. Another nation rose up, rose up, another empire, the empire of Persia, the Persian Empire. Um, King Cyrus, they conquered Babylon. And King Cyrus makes a decree and he says, all of the, the remnant, those that were, remained from the that were taken captive, you're allowed to go back to your own city. You can go back to Jerusalem. So 70 years after they'd been taken into captivity, a remnant, about forty to 50,000 of them, go back to Jerusalem. And they come back into a city in ruin, a city that had been absolutely devastated. And, uh, you know, their temple had been destroyed, the walls and the gates. We've heard the story. And so they returned to a city ruin. So they come back. The first thing they did, for 20, in the first 20 years they're back, they rebuild the temple. So we talked about that a little bit last week. Their relationship with God was restored. They were God worshippers. The place of worship was restored. They had a relationship with God. And then for the next 70 years, there was no further building. Um, they had some houses or something to live in, but the walls and the gates of the city laid in ruin. They'd been burned and the walls and the gates laid in ruin. So although there were people who had a relationship with God, and they could go to the temple and they could worship. When they left that temple, they walked out into their everyday life, which was surrounded by brokenness and ruin. And it's summarized in Nehemiah about the condition of his brief. Um, when, the, when the word comes back to Nehemiah about the condition of his people, listen to what it says. Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. Say trouble and disgrace. They're in trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And so then Nehemiah comes on the scene. Nehemiah himself was also a Hebrew. He was, a, he was an Israelite. He had not gone back uh, when they were returned to the city of Jerusalem. He instead uh, was then some, this is now another 70 years after the Persian Empire had conquered Babylon. There was a new king. Uh, Cyrus had obviously died. The new king was Artaxerxes. Try saying that. Uh, with a mouthful of wheat picks. Uh, his name was Artaxerxes, and, and Nehemiah worked in the palace under the king, and he was, he was a cupbearer. And I'm not going to explain what a cupbearer does, but he had access to the very presence of the king. It was a very important role. And Nehemiah's name literally means this, breath of God. It's what Nehemiah means, breath of God. Nehemiah is an incredible picture of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Nehemiah leads the people of Jerusalem. He hears about their condition. He goes to Jerusalem and he leads the people who worship God. They, they, they love their God. They worship their God. But their lives were marked by brokenness. And he leads the people in rebuilding the walls and the gates. And here's the, here's the miracle of Nehemiah is this. The, ne- the miracle of Nehemiah is that in 52 days, this is historical, in 52 days, with Nehemiah's help, with the Holy Spirit's help, they rebuild what they couldn't rebuild in the last 90 years. That's amazing. In 52 days, they rebuild the walls and the gates. Order is established to their lives. The message of Nehemiah, that's the miracle. The message of Nehemiah is this, that God is not only interested in your place of worship. He's not only interested in a relationship with Him, but He's also interested in your everyday life. He's interested in restoring that which is broken and ruined in our lives. That's the message of Nehemiah. And so today, from that, I want to launch into the, the teaching for today, which is, which is this. It's called All That You Need. All That You Need. Why don't you just say that with me this morning? All That You Need. You have all that you need this morning to rebuild a broken wall or a broken life, whatever it is in your life that might need to be restored. You see, to rebuild a wall... You needed certain things to make to be successful. Now, um, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I have a trade background. I'm a plumber by trade. And I can remember um, going, particularly when I did work in the country, I would, you know, leave and think of everything and I would drive out to some remote place to do some plumbing and you'd try and think of everything ahead of time and you'd put it all on the ute and you would drive out, and you're doing the job, and you're halfway through it, or you're nearly finished, and you realize, what? You've left something behind. You've forgotten something. Now, that would not happen to you, right? It only happens to me. Has anyone ever done that? Seriously, it's like, it's the most frustrating thing on earth. It's kind of like, I can't finish the job. I've left this thing behind. I can't just zap into the plumbing supply in town. I'm a long way from anywhere, and so the job cannot be finished. You see, the reality is to complete something, there are certain things that we need. To complete the rebuilding of a wall, there are certain elements that we need. To complete the rebuilding of our lives, there are certain elements, and we're going to see what they are this morning. And I want you to leave today knowing that to rebuild your life is that you have everything that you need. So we go into Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to read the first few few verses, and uh, I might just go here. Nehemiah. It says, in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was bought for him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. I was what? Very much what? Afraid. Let's stop right there. He said, I was very much afraid. You see, let me tell you why Nehemiah was afraid. King Artaxerxes ruled the then known world. He was the authority in the world. He was king of the Persian Empire. Now the custom was, if you went into the presence of the king, you only went into the presence of king with a smile on your face and a happy countenance. And the whole idea was this. 
any problem that you have, well, no matter how big it is, compared to being in the presence of the king, it was nothing. So whenever you went into the presence of the king, no matter what was going on in your life, you would put a smile on your face and you would be happy. You see, to be unhappy in the presence of the king was to dishonor the king. And you were in danger of actually losing your head. Even the king's wife could only enter his presence with a smile on her face. I actually think there's something in that. But we won't go any further, otherwise I'm a dead man. I jest, I jest. (laughs) So, when he says he was afraid, he was serious. Because to be unhappy in the king's presence could mean his death. So look, we read on. Verse 3. He says, I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. (laughs) And please let me live a lot longer. May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, what is it you want? God of heaven, what you want? I want you to know today that our king, God of heaven, is a willing God. And you, he wants to give you what you need this morning. What is it that you want? Read on, verse 5. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. He prays again. Quick prayer under his breath. He knows he's, he's skating on thin ice. And he said, I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send to the city of Jerusalem where my fathers are buried. Let him send me to the city of Judah, sorry, where my father, where my fathers are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Everyone say time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, May I have a letter to the governor of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And while I'm on it, may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, by the temple and for the city wall, and for the residence I will occupy. Because And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request." He granted my request. I want you to notice something this morning. When Nehemiah left the presence of the king, he had everything that he needed to complete the task. Everything that he needed was in his hand. I don't know what you think that you need this morning to rebuild anything that's broken in your life, but everything that you need is found in the presence of the king. And I want you to see already this morning that what you need to rebuild your life is already in your hand. It has been given. The wall was still in ruin, but he had what was needed to rebuild the broken down walls. And he found it where? In the presence of the king. Now, if you somehow grieve over brokenness in your own life today, you might come and you might worship God. And there's a sense where, you know, just to be in the presence of, the God, of God is, 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 you know, it's far greater than any need we might have. The reality of it is, as human beings, we go through stuff, right? I know what it's like to feel in, come into a time of worship and it's like, 
man, I'm just, I'm just struggling today. Have I got any friends out there or is it just me? And it's kind of like you come in and you worship. But, and, and so even though we might be worshiping, our, our faith, if you like, can be downcast or sad. And I want you to know today that one, God is willing. God wants to give you what you need today. And when you leave this service, I trust that you can leave knowing that you have everything that you need. You see, sometimes we think, for my life to be okay, I just need you fill in the blank. I just, I just need my lucky numbers to come up. Man, if my lucky numbers would come up, everything or whatever. Um, I just need that inheritance to come through. How can I help that along a bit? Oh, or whatever. We, we, can, we can be thinking about if I just get this, everything will be okay. I just need that big break. I just need that new job. If I get that new job, my life, I just want that person to love me. If I can just get that, then I'll be complete. Then I will be whole. Listen, don't you believe it. You already have what you need and it's found in the presence of the King and He's put it in your hands. We just need to see it and recognize it. So I want you to see today, when Nehemiah left the presence of the King, he had everything he needed to rebuild the wall. You And, and we can, in that, we discover what we need, the elements that we need to rebuild our lives. Nehemiah leaves the presence of the king. He has everything that he needed. So here's what he had. He left the king's presence. He had time. He had authority. And he had resources. Time, authority, and resources. Firstly, let's look at time. In verse 6, it says, The king with the queen sitting beside me asked, How long will your journey take? And when will you be back? And it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I want you to know today that you have time. What God wants to do in your life, you have time for. You have the time you need for God to build what He wants to build in your life. We can often come to points in our life where we go, it's too late for me. I've, I've, you know, I'm too old. Um, you know, just bear with me. You know, it's in two days' time, I have another birthday. I know, 35 again. It's kind of like, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, even at my age, it's kind of like, you know, life is just like, stop the bus, it's going too fast. You know, I'm running out of time. It's kind of like, you know, I don't have time for God to do what God wants to do in my life. Anyone relate to that? I don't have time. You know, I'm too old. This is my life. This is never going to change. Or it's too late. Might not think I'm too old, but you might think it's too late. I've messed up my life one too many times. I've, I've kind of, you know, I've, I've been down this road that I shouldn't have, and I, I've messed up too many times, it's too late. Time for me has run out. And here's what happens when we think that we don't have time. You see, when we don't think we have time, it's kind of like, you know, the, the, those walls and those broken down gates, we don't have time to, we don't have time to rebuild. And so here's what happens. When you don't think you have time, you never start building. If you think that you don't have time to build something, you're not going to set out to start building, right? Because the first thing is you've got to be convinced that you have time. Otherwise, what's the point in starting? I'm never going to finish. And so if you don't think that you have time, you never take the next step. Because every building starts with the next step, right? And if you don't think that you have time or God's got time to build in your life, you know, because you either think you're too old or you think you're, you know, it's too late, you begin that and you have up too much, let me tell you, you will never take the next step. 
you know, you'll never begin that new habit. You'll never, you know, you'll never start, start hooking yourself into a, a local church or you'll never, you, whatever that next step is for you, you're not going to do it because you just, you're not convinced that you have time. And as a result of not starting, you never build. And what happens when we don't build something, you see, we just survive and we exist. We just live for the now. We just live for the present. We live for the best thing that I can get right at the moment. We have short-term thinking. And it's kind of like, you know, if you don't think you've got time to build a house, you're just going to put up a tent, right? Because you think the tent's the best that I can do. And we can live our life thinking like, you know, this is the best that I can do. I'm just, I'm just a temporary thinker. I, I can't think beyond because I can't believe that God actually wants to build something. I don't have time for God to do what he wants to do, so I never build. I don't have the patience. I'm just about a temporary dwelling. Alternatively, you know, other people can think sometimes, and I've felt like this, not for the last decade or so, but I can remember thinking, I've got too much time. I've got plenty of time. It's never going to run out. One day, one day, when I've, you know, when I've lived a little bit of life and when I've kind of like done this and, you know, kind of when I've done, when I've ticked off those things, well, then God, I'm going to get it sorted with you. Then I'm going to start getting my life together and, you know, time's never going to run out. We do well to remember this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1, which says this, it says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Don't just, don't just, you know, God's not just for old people. In fact, one of the greatest things you can do with your youth is know your Creator. Get to know God in your youth. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. It's not like, okay, you know, when I've lived a bit of life and when I've kind of experimented here and I've done this, well, then God, let me tell you, we can, we can make the mistake of thinking we've got too much time. One day time catches up with us all. How many of you know that's true? You see, when it comes to time, here's what we've got. You have, mark this down, you have just enough time to do the will of God in your life. How much time have you got? You've got just enough time to do the, God, the will of God. God's got, you know, you're not here by mistake. You're not here just because two people had a biological experience and suddenly you're just a, you're here because God intended your life to be. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And therefore, I only have time in my life to do what I have. I have enough time in my life to do what God plans and wants for my life. And if I'm finding myself not having enough time, uh, you know, I, I, I hear people say, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to serve God. I'd love to get my life together. I'd love to put God first, but I'm so darn busy. I just don't have enough time. If we're all honest, we can all feel that way sometimes. And let me tell you, here's the truth. If you don't have enough time to seek and search after God's will for your, for your life, you're either doing one or two things. You're either doing the right thing the wrong way or you're doing things that I know are for you to do. When I'm finding myself not having time to do the things that I know are essential and important for my walk with God, I know I'm either doing the right thing the wrong way and I have to reevaluate re the way I'm going about something or I'm doing things that I was never meant to be doing. You only have enough time to do what God intends for you to do. Who believes that this morning? Someone once said this, if the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy. <laughs> I mean, that's true. And so here's what I want you to understand this morning. Back to, you know, if you feel like you don't have enough time for God to do what he wants to do in your life, Joel chapter 2 and verse 25, I love this. It says, he will restore, it says, I will repay, restore back to you the years that the locusts 
have eaten. I'm not going to explain that. Other, but basically it means this, that you think you know, that God will make up things that you think are wasted, years that you think are wasted. God can actually make them back up to you. You imagine those people of Jerusalem. They'd been back for, for 90 years. They'd only built the temple. Some of them had grown old and they saw the walls and the gates and they thought, we don't have time. This is never going to happen. When Nehemiah, the Holy Spirit, got involved, in 52 days they built what they couldn't in 90. Let me tell you, God can restore to you the years of your life that you feel like you've wasted and your years ahead of you can be the best years ahead of you. Who believes that this morning? So understand here this morning, you have time. Everyone say that word, time. You have time. When Nehemiah left the presence of the king, he had time. Secondly, he left with a letter of authority. He had authority. For any building to happen, you need a letter of authority. If you want to build a house, if we want to, if we want to do a development here on the block, the first thing we do is we put a submission to council, and council will look at it because they're the authority, right? And they will eventually... If we've done everything right and we and, and we you know think it's beneficial for the community and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they will give us a DA, a, de- a development approval. We have the approval, even though it's not built yet, we have the approval for the development. But then it goes out, we put up a sign that announces what we're going to do and that gives people an opportunity to what? Object. Object. They can go, we don't like what you're doing. We think it's going to affect us. We don't want to see that happen. Yada, 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 yada. And they can object, right? So other authorities can begin to object to what you're building. So it goes back to the authority. The authority weighs it all up. And the authority then, in their wisdom, can then say, well, those objections stand. <laughs> oh, but we're, generally what we're trusting would happen is the authority goes, the council goes, hey, we will overrule those, uh, those, those objections. We are a higher authority. You, are, you no longer just have a DA, you have a BA, you have a building approval. Go ahead and start the building. Yeah? And let me tell you, you have a building approval. There are other change and that want to speak into your life and bring objections as to why things aren't going to change and to why the building should not go ahead. But you have a higher authority that says, no, let the building begin. What are some, listen, who is the authority in your life? Think about this. What, you know, the authority can be the strongest personality in, in your life. And that person exerts their personality and their influence and you, you wilt to it every time. That, that is the authority in your life. Uh, it, might be a, a vo- a, a, someone, it might be a voice of someone who many years ago died. But they still have an authority in your life because of things that they said, things that they spoke over you. And so you've been driven by, by that thing the rest of your life and that is, that is the authority in your life. What is the authority? Maybe it's a, I said, it can be a personality, it can be, it can be a voice, it can be a condemning voice, it can be a family member. What, but let me tell you, there is a higher authority than all of those other voices and the authority that we're meant to have. We have a letter of authority sent from the King, brought to us by the Holy Spirit, that says, Jesus says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. You can ask for my Father whatever you like and it will be so. Why? Because He has a greater authority. He has authority in your life. You need to know this morning, you have the king's authority to rebuild your life. 
Think about that for a moment. So often, other authorities, we don't even think of them like that, but they are authoritative. That means they have influence. They have weight in your life. You can't build what God has called you to build because you have these other authorities. Let me tell you, there is a greater authority. It's called the authority of the king. That's good news. So when he left the presence of the king, he had time. He had authority. What was the third one? Resources. He had resources. What's, what, are the, what are the resources that we're talking about here? You see, <clears throat> actually, just, just hold the bus for a minute. Just back to authority for one second. I think this is an important thing to understand. <clears throat> you see, authority is an unusual thing in the sense of the more I submit myself to the authority of God, the more authority he gives me. The more I'm willing to submit my life to another, the more power and authority I have. How does that work? There's a story in the New Testament where a centurion, Roman centurion, he's a leader over 100 men, comes to Jesus and he wanted Jesus to do a miracle in in his son's life. Hopefully his daughter, I can't remember which. But he said this to Jesus. He says, I'm a man of authority and I'm a man under authority. I'm a man of authority. He's got rule over 100 men. He said, but I'm also a man under authority. He has a higher authority than himself, yes? Question, if he wasn't a man under authority, would he, allowed, would he be allowed to be a man of authority over the 100? The only rule, and that's authority over 100 because he was a man under authority of someone else. And that's a principle of life. I watch people go through life always railing and kicking. Why is it they get to go on, not me? I'll tell you why. It's because you've got to bring yourself under authority. And authority makes the way to being a person of authority. Does that make sense? And that's the way it works in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not based on domination. I'm stronger and bigger and I'm going to beat you down. No, the kingdom of God, the power of the kingdom of God is submission and humbling yourself and the Bible says in Philippians, when you humble yourself, you know, it talks about Jesus, says, who humbled himself, came obedient to death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Do you get that? Learn that this morning. Take that. You know, you go through all your life, I watch people struggling and wrestling with authority, and they wonder why they're never given. It's because you've got to learn to submit your life. And submission's not being dominated and be that's not that's not biblical submission. That's 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 not that, not, that's not the kingdom of God. Submission is just trusting God that he's going to... You want to follow that this morning. So authority. You have authority. You submit yourself to God and he will give you great authority. And there's already authority. He's already given you through his word. Who believes that? So he left with time. He left with authority. And then he left with resources. What are the resources he left with? I'll tell you what they were. The resources, you see, he, he left with a letter to King Asaph, I think it was, who was the keeper of the forest, so that he could go and get timber to build the wall. Now, you've got to understand, to build the wall in those days, the kind of wall that they were going to build required two things. There was two elements to building. There was timber and there was stones. Timber and rocks, that's what they used to build the walls. Now, The walls had been burned. So what happens when you burn a wall made of timber and stone? 
does the timber survive? Timber's destroyed, what's left? Burnt stones, right? Burnt stones. So for, uh, for Nehemiah to build the wall, he already had the stones. What did he need? He needed timber. So he would come with timber and the stones were already there. So the timber is brand new, right? Because the old timber had been burnt. He couldn't just, he had, no, he had no resources aside. If He had the stones, but without the timber, he couldn't rebuild the walls. So the timber's brand new, but the stones are old. The stones have been burnt. Now here's what I want you to understand this morning. When God builds, he uses both old and he uses new. He uses the old and he uses the new. He uses brand new, that's the timber. God supplies in the building of your life timber. They're things that we can't pro- He gives us forgiveness. God makes a way and provides them. He gives us a new spirit. He gives us a new heart. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us peace. He gives us eternal life. How many of you know that's the timber? We can't create that. It's given to you by God. And then secondly, he uses old stones. Now I want you to notice those old stones were the burnt stones that had been destroyed when the wall was destroyed. And so it's kind of like God comes to us, He brings us timber, He gives us what only He can provide, but He still takes us, He uses the remnant of our life, if you like, He takes the burnt stones and He uses those burnt stones and He cleans them up. See, to touch those stones, you get black and they're sooty and they're, you know, they're, they don't fit together very well and they're kind of, there's nothing very attractive about them. And God then works with those burnt stones and He uses them with the timber to build what He's going to build. And so, you know, it was such, in fact, if we go to chapter 4, there was um, the leader of the regional area, uh, San Ballard, I think his name was, he, um, he did not want them to build the wall. And he's mocking them. And he says this, And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? He said, Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are. In other words, do you think that you God can build anything out of those burned stones? I want you to know this morning, when God provides the timber, He will take your burned stone and He will work with you and He will use you and put you together to build what He wants to build. Because God works with burned stones. He works with people who's, God doesn't work with perfectly shaped bricks that are all formed and new and just, he, he uses stones, he uses people that have been through stuff, they've made some big mistakes and they've been burned and you know, there's nothing attractive about it and other people would go, well they're just burned stones, nothing can come of that friend, you are a perfect candidate for God to build something good with your life, perfect candidate. Why? Because he, brew, he provides the timber and you're the stone. And he takes the stones, your personality, and, you know, uh, and as rough as it is, and he'll work with that and, and begin, to, you know, begin to shape that. And past memories and you know, th- you know, things are quirking, things that make you you. God takes them. He doesn't destroy you. No, he rebuilds you and he perfects and he makes good that which has been burned. How many of you think that's good? God gives you, God's got the resources. And I'm not saying this morning, you know, and, and the fact is, you know, some burn, some burn stones take more work than others, right? 
You watch, don't you dare point your finger at another burnt stone and think, gee, they, they've been taking a long time to get themselves sorted out. Thank God that maybe you just maybe weren't, didn't happen to get burned as much as they did. But God's still working on them and you're just as much apart. Who can see that this morning? Burnt stones. Timber. He left with resources. I love them. Too burnt. You ever think, oh, I'm too, I'm, I'm too burnt. I'm, I'm too abused. I'm too, too divorced. I'm too sinful. I'm, my family was broken beyond repair. I'm too broken. Too burnt. Friend, hear me this morning. Know this. God uses burnt stones. Comes with the timber. New willingness. Takes the heart of stone, he turns it into a flesh. And then he uses you and he builds you. Come on, just for a moment, let that sink in. Ever thought you're beyond use? Ever felt you? So he left the presence of the king. Left with time, authority and resources. You have all you need this morning for God to build what he wants to build with your life. There's actually four things. I said three, didn't I? Actually four things. I've got to show you the fourth. Can I show you the fourth? Verse 9. Have a quick look. I'm just going to show you this. It's not something we talk about much, but something I want you to know. So I went to the governor of the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When he left the king's presence, he had backup. He had an army. Wow. That's starting to look a bit better, isn't it? So what on earth is that all about? I want to tell you what it's about. And again, it's not something we talk about a lot, and something is, but it's not just some superstitious thing. I'll tell you what it is. We're talking about, we're talking about angels. We're talking about something supernatural. In fact, Hebrews, and again, let me just, Hebrews talks about in Hebrews uh, 1.14, it says this, it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? What, angel, we don't worship angels. And it's kind of like, we don't get all spooky about it and go, oh, mine's just over there. No, no, they're just, they're, just, they're just a part of the backup that God gives. And some people, like, you know, they'll talk about, you know, demonic spirits and all that sort of stuff. Let me tell you, they're falling, but we're talking about God angels. Angels are real. Again, it's not something, I said, it's not something we talk about often. But I want you to know today that there is a backup. You know, we read um, in Acts 12, it talks about Peter. He's in prison. And the angel of the Lord comes to Peter and he, un, he, he let Peter out of jail. That was an angel. Uh, in Acts 27, talk about Paul is on the boat and they're, about to, they're in a storm and it looks like the boat's going to sink and they're all going to die. Angel speaks to Paul and says, you're not going to, not going to die, you're going to live. And as a result, that's exactly what happens. We read about Elisha in two kings where Elisha the prophet, 
They're surrounded by the Syrian army. And his servant goes, we're toast, we're toast. What do we get? There's a whole, Elisha prays for him that God would open his eyes to see. And suddenly the servant said, there's a whole other army surrounding the Syrian army. It was the host of heaven. I want you to know this morning, you have the backup of heaven at your disposal. Now, I don't know why, I don't know how it all works. And, you know, some people I think try and, Work out too much stuff, but just take it at face value. There is a host of heaven that's there to back up you as you rebuild your life. I remember years ago when I was, I was 17, we're obviously talking years ago, um, I, I was a you know, young fella riding home from work on my motorbike, being the nice, careful young lad. I was very sensible, going way too fast around a corner. And uh, again, I don't, again, they're not stories that you hear me tell often, but I can just, this one I can remember succinctly and so clearly. And I remember going around this corner, going way too fast, dropped the bike. I remember sliding across the road, doing more than 100 kilometers an hour. The car coming down the road towards me, I'm sliding straight into its grill. I was toast. And I can remember just this, I, I remember just this overwhelming sense in that moment. It's like everything slowed down, everything stood still, and I had this overwhelming sense of protective care in my life. And instead of hitting the grill, I remember I bounced off the side of the car, did thousands of dollars of damage with my body, and then got knocked unconscious, woke up in the middle of the road. I had elastic-sided Blunston boots on. They both got ripped off me feet in the impact. I woke up in the middle of the road going, what am I doing right here without me boots on? You're supposed to die with your boots on. But I, I, I remember, but just that sense, this overwhelming sense of the protective care of God. Now, I don't know why that happens sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. Like I said, I'm not trying, don't try and explain things that the Bible's silent on, but understand this, for whatever, there is a God who cares about you enough to send back up and support as you work out your life. Who believes that today? Just throw that one in for free. <laughs> think my poor old angels were working overtime sometimes. That's what my mother used to tell me. In fact, mum used to say, when you start going over 100 kilometres an hour, son, the angel gets off the back of your motorbike and you're on your own. <laughs> because angels obey the law. I went, yeah, right, mum. <laughs> hey, can I have the keyboard player up, please? Listen, you've got everything you need this morning. When Nehemiah left the presence of the king, he had everything he needed. He had time. Come on, say that with me. He had time. What's next? Authority, resources, and backup and support. It was all there. I want you to stand for a moment. I want you to just let that settle. I want you just to think about those for a moment. Think about time. You know, many of us fall into the trap where we think we just don't have time. And somehow God's passed us by and, and so you don't start. I'm just kind of spinning my wheels. I'm just taking the best options I've got right now because God can't really build or do anything with my life. I'll just settle for whatever because it's at the moment and we never take first steps. I want you to know today you've got time. Who believes that? Come on, maybe you're an, you're an older person you think, you know, I just don't have time. Listen, God will restore the years to you. Maybe you think I'm too, I've just messed up too many times. God's given you time this morning. You've got time. You've got time to do the will of God for your life. However much time you think you may have left, you've got enough time to do the will of God for your life. Who believes that this morning? Come on, just for a moment. Let that settle in.
Father, I pray this morning for those who are struggling with time and feel like they, they lack time. Father, I'm praying today that there would be a, an understanding that they have time. God, that there's time for you to do what they want to, what you want to do in their life. Father, I pray for those this morning who maybe need to change the authority in their life. Maybe the voice of a strong personality or something else in your life has become the authority in your life. You haven't even thought of it like that, but they're, they're literally drawing the blueprints of your life. They're, you know, you need to understand today that there's a, a greater authority. There's a letter being given. You have all authority. The authority to build your life. Lord Jesus, I'm praying this morning that people would understand that, God, you have authority. Let it come into your life. Lord, I pray today for people who feel like they are powerless. Lord, that they would not believe that, but they would understand today that you have given authority. There's power and there's strength in that. And Lord, as they submit their life to you, your power would be seen in Jesus' name sense of quietness here this morning. That's that God's just speaking in your heart. You've got authority this morning. You've got power to do what God is wanting to do. And what about resources? You think, I just can't, I, just, not, this, I can't do anything about this. I just can't, I haven't got what it takes. Friend, you haven't. And that's why God provides the timber. He provides the timber. He provides something supernatural. He provides something that is naturally grown that you can't manufacture yourself. But He's going to use your burnt stones. He's going to use our lives and He's going to build something great. Who believes that this morning? We're living stones. We might have been burnt stones, but we're living stones. And God's going to clean us up, knock a few edges off, and He fits us together. He's building a spiritual house. Who believes that this morning? And you're a part of that. Father, I'm praying for those who feel like they're being too burnt. Lord, for whatever that burning might be, whatever that failure or disappointment or life experience or memory, whatever it is, Father, background, whatever it is today, Father, I'm praying today that hope would come, that people would know that you are using them. Lord, you're providing the timber, you're building something strong and you're using burnt stones, burnt marriages, burnt kids, burnt burnt experiences, burnt finances, burnt, burnt whatever it is, Father, take it, you're going to use it to build and rebuild. You're going to create a wall, something that's strong, ordered and structured. Father, we thank you for backup and support. Father, for people who feel that they're on their own today, just struggling by on their own. Father, their eyes would be open that they would see that the resources of heaven are at their disposal today. Well, there's backup and support we Thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.